you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, you know, because I'm, I'm, being, great, I'm being grateful to a city mayor who has supported my initiative in affordable housing that I think are so paramount so that my community, my ward will not be transformed to, to, by being gentrified just like my surrounding ward has happened. That's right. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is the latest in an avalanche of aldermen who have decided that the time is now to move on, run for mayor, or retire from politics entirely. Alderman Roberto Maldonado of the 26th Ward that includes Humboldt Park, parts of West Humboldt Park and West Town. Thank you for joining us, sir. Oh, my pleasure, uh, Fran. Thank you so much for the invitation. You're 71 years old. You were appointed by former Mayor Richard M. Daly in 2009. Why have you decided not to seek a fourth term? And why did you wait until last Friday afternoon to withdraw? Well, I have been um, deliberating about my decision for the last uh, four years. Um, I, many factors I took into consideration uh, leading to my final decision last week to file my withdrawal of my candidacy. <clears throat> One of them was that um, um, in 2015, I, my wife made me promise her, and this was as, as she was in her deathbed, um, that uh, to, to make me promise not to run in 2015. Um, Why did she want we, that for you? <clears throat> She wanted me just to, um, we had a very rough election um, in that cycle. And I guess, you know, she was all, always looking now out for my personal protection, um, something that I didn't even, I did not even know how deep she was into looking out for my protection as a politician. <clears throat> uh, and so she told me, don't do that. Um, just run one more time, 2015, and then forget nothing else. So, so 2015 was supposed to have been my last uh, election, and it was a tough election. <clears throat> and um, and so comes um, after that, um, uh, in 2019, um, 
I, my passion, uh, Fran, has been always to uh, fight against the forces of gentrification in my ward. And this dates back into the mid-90s um, um, when the 26th ward um, became a target of gentrification by real estate speculators and people that um, non-Latinos or black that had started looking at Humboldt Park uh, area as an area uh, very appealing to reside and live in, um, mostly because um, our people, our brown and black people, really worked hard over the decades um, to make our neighborhood um, safe enough so that others could start looking at us and saying, hmm, this is an area I want to live in. East of us, you had Wicker Park, Bucktown, and it was becoming very prohibitive for many people that otherwise would have chosen those communities. So my, as an elected official, I wanted to make, I wanted, and as alderman, I wanted to fight those forces of gentrification. And the only way, there are two ways you can do that. Either fighting, by fighting property, continue increase in property taxes, which I've, I have always voted against any proposal of property taxes uh, in my tenure. Um, and number two, by bringing massive numbers of affordable housing. Those two things, especially the affordable housing component, I feel very pleased with what we have been able to produce in terms of bringing massive numbers of uh, amounts of affordable housing into the ward. During my last term, we were able to build 224 or 226 new affordable housing units for working families. Good in and you term, also imposed demolition fees <clears throat> to prevent uh, developers from putting up bigger homes in the place of older ones that were owned by longtime homeowners, particularly around the 606 trail. Has that been successful? And are the demolition fees high enough? They're not high enough. But we had pushed back. I was not the lead sponsor, but I supported it. And the administration at the time uh, was not supportive of imposing higher fees uh, than we were able to uh, to enact. Not with, but regardless, you know that was going to take a long time to really have a significant effect. The much shorter uh, term effect was to build affordable housing go high uh, and on, on when you find a site to build affordable housing for working families. So therefore, they got to be family size. So during this term, we have we have started to build or have secure financing for 545 units, affordable housing units, mostly family size, meaning three bedrooms, the majority of them, a little of two bedrooms and very few one bedrooms. And then we hope and we uh, we have, we feel very confident and then in this next four years, uh, there will be an additional 900 units of affordable housing that will be built because we already have uh, laid out the groundwork 
to for that to happen. With that, we can easily say we accomplish our goal not only to slow down gentrification as we have had as we speak, but that also we can claim that we stop gentrification for many, many years to come. And if you look around my ward, uh, the 35th ward, the 1st ward, the 27th ward, uh, they were all minority wards, and they have been completely gentrified. So we are in this island that we have been able to preserve to allow this ward uh, the opportunity for families that want to stay here that maybe they grew up here that have called this community their home for maybe generations to be able to stay and live in affordable housing where they don't have to spend more than 30% of their gross monthly income to live in a beautiful, distant apartment for their families. Mayor Lightfoot campaigned on a promise to raise the real estate transfer tax on high-end home sales to generate a dedicated funding source for affordable housing, but that remains a broken promise. She has argued that no matter how you cut it, it will be portrayed as a property tax increase. What do you say about that? We still have, in spite of your efforts, we still have a 120,000-unit shortage of affordable housing in Chicago. Well, I I think that, are you talking about the transfer tax or are you talking yes, about the- the real estate the transfer, transfer tax. Sure. Yeah, and no, the transfer tax was proposed and that was the lead uh, uh, proponent of that ordinance four years ago. Not recently, I was a co-sponsor, but not the lead sponsor. And the purpose of the transfer tax was to raise $90 million a year and build affordable housing for the homeless community. And to me, I still believe that it's the right policy. I still believe that maybe she's still inclined to support that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not speaking for her, but I think that she might be open to that. But I think it's the right thing to do. I, I, I believe that if we were to, in, the transfer tax is a one-time uh, tax imposed to the buyers buying properties in the city of Chicago on properties of $1.5 million or above, and just a one-time fee. So it's not a continued annual fee that they will have to pay. That the increment is about thirty-five dollars or $4,000 to what otherwise they still will have to pay uh, as a transfer tax, but it would allow to raise $90 million a year to build affordable housing for the homeless. Now, let's say that you don't want to do this in perpetuity, then you can put a sunset. We can put a sunset of 10 years. Let's see how that source of revenue, if it's earmarked for this purpose, for the first 10 years in, in place that transfer tax, could have a significant effect in the in in reducing uh, the, the 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 homeless community that we see popping up every almost everywhere throughout the city of Chicago. Humble Park, we have a, you drive through Humble Park today, the actual park, and there is a homeless community of about almost thirty tents 
um, at just just in Humboldt Park on the north side of the park. And so, and the reality, friend, is that most of those um, individuals in these homeless um, communities, they have diagnosed mental challenges, and they would not accept an invitation to go and live in permanent housing in a community that they are not familiar with. So if what if we have none available on the north side, the only place where there are available spaces for permanent houses for the homeless is either on the west side or the south side. If you are mentally challenged um, and you're not familiar with an area, you're not going to move there. Because that yeah. will trigger your 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 symptoms of your mental uh, mental health condition, and so, so you'd raise the real estate transfer tax and try it for a decade and earmark the money exclusively for homelessness, not yes. for affordable housing, for homelessness because yes. the problem has gotten so severe. Not just in Chicago. Look all over the nation. Look at these big cities, San Francisco and L.A. Yes. Every yes. everywhere has this problem. Mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. Now, when you speak about affordable housing for working families, that's another pot of money. That's usually is low income tax credit that is that that developers apply through the city and or through the state and uh, and other sources of um, of of revenues uh, or funding that that for profit or non for profit developers can apply to develop affordable housing um, for, for working families. So and in, in addition to the own equity that these developers must have, but it is doable. If we've been able to build so far uh, over 800 units in the 26th ward in the last, um, what, six years, and in the next four years we can build an additional 900, it is doable. If you have an alderman sitting on this chair, really committed and put in the time to make sure that things that the that things move from step state um, from step one to step two and see the developments into fruition, it can happen. If you have the will, it can happen. In your farewell announcement, you wrote that it is also time to divert our attention to continue improving our public schools in the district so that all follow the selective admission model. You said Mm -hmm. you want to end the reality of two school systems in the public schools at CPS and have every single school in the 26 emulate an academic center or selective enrollment high school. And that is the next fight. And that's the one that you feel that you feel you're really not the one to do. Why? What needs to be done and who should do it? Well, I because my passion mission was to bring the change and to slow down, slow down gentrification in my ward. I feel that we have accomplished that. Now that we have accomplished that, now in now we need to start transforming CPS so that those kids from these uh, working families can enjoy schools in the 26th ward that really emulate the models of academic centers and selective enrollment high schools. Because in that way, we can end 
the tale of two uh, educational systems in the city of Chicago. And that can happen with somebody with much more knowledgeable in 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 educational uh, and policy that I do have, and also with someone with the same energy and passion and mission that I have had for and to bring affordable housing that also that would have that similar passion for education and also help transform the police system that we do have as well that is not geared to serve and protect people of color in this city. Okay, well, let's talk first about the schools. You say we have an unequal public education system in preparing students of color. What is the remedy for that? Well, the same impetus, the same investment, the same commitment CPS had over 10 years ago when they came up with the model through Vallas, uh, uh, former uh, CEO for CPS, through Vallas, when they created the models for academic center and a selective enrollment high school. They only picked less than 20 schools throughout the city of Chicago. And the most popular ones are on the north side. And, 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 and this, with the same energy that CPS put into developing these special club of affordable of uh, selective enrollment high schools why not after they established them about 15 years ago they continue to uh do the same thing in local areas in local high schools throughout the city of chicago it defies my common sense and the reality is that those back then when they started the model of selective enrollment they wanted to bring more diversity, meaning they wanted to bring more white kids into the public education system in the city of Chicago because there was hardly none. And they succeeded. And more, the most successful uh, selective enrollment high schools are very diverse and still have majority uh, kids of color. Uh, and But they stopped there. Why they didn't continue uh, in expanding that citywide? I mean, I don't have a. What is it that you want in the what? What is it that you want the local schools to have that they don't have right now? Well, I really I'm not an expert in in education philosophy, uh, but I'm saying if they were able to create very successful selective enrollment high schools uh, in the city of Chicago. And now that they know that this cluster of high schools that are very successful, have been successful, they can replicate that in every high school throughout the city of Chicago. Why not? By offering all these wonderful programs and trade uh, possibilities and uh, and uh, what do they call uh, math, science, and whatever. Is that what you're saying? What what exactly well, do you want the local schools to have? Look, my three kids, they went to selective enrollment in high school, but they have they tested. They were Where did they go? They were, my oldest, who now is graduated, he went to Jones. My middle one, went to Lane. My youngest, who is a freshman now, my middle one is a senior in high school. 
my youngest, she's a freshman at Whitney Young. They all went through the testing process to get in there. God bless them. And they were yeah. able to get a lot in there. of pressure, though, on the kids oh, and the parents for kids and for the parents. You go nuts because you believe you are led to believe that the only way your kids are going to become successful in high school and therefore open up doors for college is by going into selective enrollment high schools. So now, you're saying that should not be necessary is what you're saying. Don't be, I don't see any, anything magic. Uh, that the, these schools have done. But you know what I see? I see leadership, principals, and, bought two, uh, and, and go down, vice principals, counselors, they're very, very committed to, to what they're doing in their schools, and they get motivated with the success that they see in the students accomplishing. Teachers as well. I mean, so, and, and they stay there after school, and they support the, t- the teachers um, are available during lunchtime for tutoring, um, individual tutoring for the students. Those are little things. These are not, I mean, it's not magic. I don't see anything magical happening, for example, at Whitney Young. But this, the slots are so, so, so minimal. So, and so anxiety producing. You know, my daughter, she was, the day that the, that the scores came out, she jumped into the car when I picked her up from school, and she said, "Dad, Dad, let's let's open, let's open the app, let's see." And when she saw that she got the scores to get in, and and Whitney was was her first choice, she cried, and I cried. I next knew to her. you were going to say that. I knew she busted out in tears. And too I much pressure. Next to her. Way too yes. much. Yes, exactly. And 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 so I have not seen any having had the experience. With three kids going to uh, to selective enrollment, I don't see anything that is out of the. Uh, it's nothing except committed leadership, enthusiastic leadership, highly that they're great motivators to their students, and this and that trickles down to the faculty, to the counselors, and the students as well. I mean, it's amazing. It's it, that is the magic, you know. So. And so you also say that uh, you need someone with the public policy knowledge to transform a police department that you say is not meant to serve and protect people of color. How is the police department not meant to serve and protect people of color? What exactly well, are you talking about? Yes, uh, you can ask the average Latino kid, African-American kid adult Latino, adult uh, African-Americans to see if they have ever had any experience in which they have felt that they have been racially profiled by police and that they have been stopped uh, for what I may have been a racially profiled stop. And you will find out, in my judgment, that over 90% of those that will say yes. I have been subject of that I have been victim of that, um, and I several times in my life, adult life, because I, I didn't grow up here. I came here at the age of 27. When my, and I'm going to give you an example. When my oldest was, I think he was 13 years old. My youngest, he was um, uh, eight years old. We were coming back from a swimming practice one 
light. Uh, we were coming from the area of North Avenue and Claiborne, driving west on North Avenue to get into Humboldt Park where we live. I stopped on Levitt and North Avenue, and there was a stoplight. And when the light changed, the two cars in front of me, they were turning left. I went around like I can't, like I legally can do. I went around and I passed the two cars in front of me. About five blocks, six blocks west, I got stopped by a police officer, one white, one Latino. And I said, officer, why I got stopped? Um, he said, oh, you, you, you could not have, you were not supposed to go around those cars on Levitt and North Heaven. Really? Yes, I, I can. I'm, by law, I can. So then I said, you know, and then the guy, the white guy, uh, the Latino guy said, come on, let him go, let him go. The white guy was insistent, no, no, no. So I said, look, after 15 minutes, I said, look, I'm the older man of this area. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. I'm going to call the commander right now. And so what I, when I, while I was trying to do that, and this, mind you, this is with my 13-year-old boy in the front and my 8-year-old boy in the back, watching all this by this white officer. And then, so I, as, as I was calling the commander, he tried to yank my door and and push push me out of the door. I'm not gonna. Now I'm you filed saying. a complaint about this, as I recall. Yes. Whatever happened with that? Oh, they were found not. They, they were found not in any violation uh, violation of the rules. But he, the, the white guy, gave me five tickets. We went to court. The judge said yes. He had every right to do what he did, to go around. So my my case was dropped. The yeah. Uh, the, 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 the chief of staff for the then um, Cook County State Attorney took the case from the assistant state attorney and he argued the case himself because he wanted to make an example of me, another white uh, uh, law enforcement officer. Uh, and so I was found not guilty. So what's I mean, it going to take to turn around this, this distrust? Well, Again, you know, that's why I say that's for somebody else with the knowledge, mm -hmm. more more in tune in that world and the policy world to make things happen and transform them. And so, look, uh, and and for me, I mean, I it's, it's not me. It, it's not me. Uh, I don't have the skills, and I know it will take many many years to make any little dent because you know, you know very well. Government does not move fast. No. Every little change that you accomplish takes years, years to make, to move. It's like a wall of 20 feet uh, width, you know, so. You are the 16th Chicago alderman who are either, who have either, either left the council already or is planning mm -hmm. to leave. Why is there such a mass exodus? Is it a generational changing of the guard or is it, as Alderman Tunney has said, a bad place to work these days? And if it is, what makes it an unhappy workplace? You know, I can tell you from my experience, I, I mean, my expectation was that as I was becoming more seasoned uh, in the council and I'm selecting or picking an area that I really was very passionate about, about and work on that oh, uh, that 
over time, I was going to be very supportive uh, uh, and supported by the 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 existing administration. It was not that it was that was not the case. I mean, the, under Emmanuel, for example, did you think that they they talked the talk about affordable housing, but they did not walk the walk? Think about Lincoln Yard. Lincoln Yard was approved in four months. In four months, the last four months of of, uh, of Emmanuel serving as mayor of the city of Chicago, I have been pushing for 200 units of affordable housing, which I was never I was never was given the funding by Emmanuel. You know why? Because I said I'm not going to support your four year in in a row of property tax increase. Yeah. And he told me, well, them. you don't do that. You know, they, I, I have so much money it. to come around. And yeah. So I said, are you trying to tell me that you're not going to support my affordable housing developments because I'm not going to vote for your four year in a row property tax increase? And he said, no, I never said that. Oh, I'm glad that I misunderstood. I said, I responded, but he never mm-hmm. did. But yet, yet him and the commissioner back then of Department of Planning all they were thinking about was about this. So is this an unhappy workplace under work. under is this an unhappy workplace, as Tony has said, under Lori Lightfoot? Is it a bad well, place to work these days? I, I, I have to be I have to tell you my reality. <clears throat> the only mayor, because I did not have any affordable housing development under daily, it, it was a short term serving servicing under him. The only mayor that really had fully funded the developments that were stagnated under Emmanuel and the new ones that I came up with was Lori Lightfoot. She has been the only one that have talked the talk and walked the walk when it comes to support affordable housing. So will you be Uh, endorsing her for re-election? Does she deserve um, her? Does she deserve re-election? she deserves to be reelected, at least from my perspective, and because what, in terms of what I have thought, are the main needs of my constituents. She's been there for, which is to 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 support the development of affordable housing, so that we can slow down and stop gentrification uh, in this in, in my ward. For that, I give her credit, even though. Even though she didn't back her promise on the real estate transfer tax. But that's both for another issue, another for the homeless community. This is about working families. And for working families, she's been there. And even though I'm And so you're going to turn your back on the Hispanic candidate. Friend. And consistently, consistently, I voted against her three budgets that included a property tax increase. And she did not take that against me. To okay. me, I respect that. So the Hispanic candidate, the, way, the only the Hispanic record, candidate for, in the race, Chewy Garcia, you are not going to support so, him. And, and for the record, I was not I did not seek any leadership position in the council, in this council or in the previous council under Emmanuel on purpose, because I wanted to be able to remain as independent as possible and not be beholden to anybody that gave me anything. Why not uh, yes, Chewy I, Garcia? Why not Chewy Garcia? Well, you know, because I'm I'm being great. I'm being grateful to a city mayor 
who has supported my initiatives in affordable housing that I think are so paramount so that my community, my ward will not be transformed to, to, by being gentrified, just like my surrounding ward has happened. That's why. Now, just let me go through a couple of things as we close here. You championed an ordinance to license pushcart vendors in 2015. Now these same vendors are being targeted by violent crime. They need more police protection. What should be done about that? Well, they should get the police protection. <laughs> Why not? I mean, look, they said one thing that I'm baffled about this police department uh, is that that they have obligated police officers to work beyond their 40 hours. They have uh, rejected requests for vacation time. But instead of leaving those police officers in the districts that they are that they work the, uh, the 40 hours, they have been sent downtown. Guess what? Guess what? Since that happened for the last two months, or two and a half months, I have started to see a spike in carjacking on, on robberies that I did not see for the first seven months, December, that we did an analysis of the data provided by us from the Department of uh, Police Department from December of, of 2021 through the end of July 2022. Uh, we, we had four two carjackings out of 14 carjackings in the 14th district, for example. In 13 uh, armed robbery cases out of 86 cases in the 14th district. Now we see our carjacking uh, almost every week, at least in the, in the 14, uh, in the in my ward, which is part of the 14th district, and, and armed robberies. It's a joke. Why? Because my police officers are being sent downtown. Have you heard any late um, issues downtown about carjackings or armed robberies downtown? No. They're fully protected. Every corner on the Manisha Mile have a police officer. Yeah, the, the phony, uh, the, the, the squad car with the lights and, you know, yeah. blaring yeah. with nobody in it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So they should be, if they were be redeployed, <laughs> or, or they are in an area that they're used to work, that they are very familiar, and if they're going to be forced to work overtime, let them protect the areas that they're familiar with. You're planning to introduce an ordinance next week that would give motorists a warning notice for the first time that they are ticketed for violating the city's winter parking ban. Why? Well, this is the second time I'm trying to do this. I did this under Emmanuel. I uh, didn't go anywhere. I want to do it again because I don't think, look, for the last several years, if you look back on the same day, the first day that that is, that, that is imposed, there's been no, no snow. And people don't remember. Yeah, they send uh, text messages. They have, they clip it in the, in the news uh, media. You printed it in the sometimes. But, you know, a lot of people are just paying attention to their daily life, um, hustling their getting their kids out of bed, taking them to school, going to work, picking them back, taking them, taking them to, to sports activity. They don't have time to be paying attention to stuff like that. Now, why not get in? What's wrong 
what's wrong with giving them uh, a warning the first time that they violate that? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just helping. You want to be considerate to people and get a reminder. Don't do this again. People respond to that. Why not? You were the prime mover behind getting Riot Fest moved out of Humboldt Park to Douglas Park. What do you remember about that? And doesn't the Park District really need a permanent festival site to prevent these kinds of neighborhood intrusions? Oh, I would support that. I mean, I honestly, I was, yes, I was um, in the front pushing Riot Fest out of Humboldt Park, but I was backed by the majority of the community. This is a very, even though it's a huge park, it's a neighborhood park. So many kids activities that goes on every summer. Riot Fest takes two weeks before they start, the week of their week, long weekend of their festival, and two or week and a half after they are done. So that's almost a month of that they get control of the whole park and people got infuriated and they didn't want to. And that BS that they bring local, that they enhance the local economy, that they, they don't. It didn't have any effect in the business community along the Vision Street. In fact, the last time that they were here, friend, the, the producer gave the route to the attendees to come through North Avenue from Western coming west to North Avenue, south on California, bypassing completely the Vision Street where we have Paseo Boricua. That was intentional after he said he was, that he was not going to do that. They're not, they're not friendly. They're there for their own pocket. They're not you championed the plan that turned Ames Middle School into Marine Academy. Any regrets about that after the sex scandal at Marine? Why? Absolutely not. You know why? Because Marine Leadership Institute had is a level one high school. Uh, the the middle school that was there that's still there, they have the option of automatically being accepted into high school. They don't have to apply, and they have the and they have the choice of not going to. And and the middle school, it was it was on probation. Thirteen out of the fifteen years that they were there. Yeah. It it cost me politically. It cost me politically because you went against me uh, in 2015. I and the support of Juanita in Atari. Yeah. Yeah. And losing Nancy turned you into a single father. How unbelievably challenging was that? And what would she say today when she sees those kids? (laughs) She she is super proud, super proud of them. She's been guiding them from heaven since the day that she left us. She never left them alone. And I'm as as proud as I am, I know that that Nancy, as mom, she's even more proud that I am. They're doing terrifically well, and I'm amazed how great kids they have, they have become. Well, I think you need to take a back for that and for the rest of your career, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in retirement or whatever you choose to do. And thanks for reflecting on it all with us today. And we'll see you all next week. No, thank you. Thank you, friend. Bye-bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.